Oh, didn't hear me say record. No, missed it. But on the plus, we have two sound streams, so you'll be able to hear us a little better. Oh, that's cool. And um, we haven't tested it, so it could be interesting. That's how typically organised we are. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This is Witchy Bites. Hi, everybody. Cast talking about all things witchy. But not bitey. Not always. Well, except when we talk. (laughs) No, thank you. I'm not not into that. (laughs) Not yet. So I'm Liz. (laughs) (laughs) Not yet. She's going to convince me. That's scary. (laughs) I was going to say it can be bitey if we're talking about cats, though. Yes. This is very true. Yes. So, (laughs) okay, here we go. We're we're starting. And I'm Hanny. Hello. And we're up to episode 29, which is. Twenty nine, nearly, nearly to the new best decade. Yes, <laughs> just the best decade. <laughs> yeah, so we are recording from Hannah's new house. Oh yes, it's full of boxes. It's a great house. <laughs> we call that uh, insulation, I guess. Maybe, maybe. It's not a very well insulated house. So yes, <laughs> it's not sound deadening the traffic either. But that's no, okay. We apologise if my end especially sounds rather traffic filled. Yes, but hopefully it's it's the weekend, so there'll be a few less cars for this to edit out. <laughs> and now they're all gone, and it's like dead silence. It's weird. <laughs> Today we're talking to you about sea magic. I don't know why, but my brain just went to semen. I actually don't have much about semen or seafaring, so you can, we can't make any um, dirty jokes, oh, unfortunately. I mean, we can still. I'll work them in. Okay, good. Somehow. It always happens. It has to. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and do you have anything magical related to report or? So last time I was on the podcast, I was talking about house blessings and I was going to bless my house. And I actually haven't yet because I haven't felt the need to yet. It's really unusual for me because I have moved here from my childhood home and there was a lot of, like a lot of spirits there. It was it was an active house and most of them were like familiar, fam, family, familial spirits in that way. And um, my mum, my brother and I are all quite, spiritually open I would think they might not put it that way but that's how I would put it so we were all quite used to it and quite you know it was just a natural part of of our house and my brother and I both grew up there so it was a normal thing for us and then I've come to this place and I was a little bit worried that there might be something left over or some residue or something here that felt a bit not nice but there wasn't anything and I haven't really felt the need to cleanse out anything and this the energy that's here at the moment feels really nice so I basically just concentrated on the physical and haven't blessed the house yet I will I will do it but I don't feel the like a pressing urgent need to Mm -hmm. so I haven't gone through any of the the processes that I talked about last time but for good reasons Mm. I have seen another cat spirit here just brief glimpses and my cat, my physical, actual living cat, has also reacted and not liked it that much. But I think I think they're okay now. And I think there's something interesting living in my garage. Yeah, there's something there for sure. That, and not just spiders. <laughs> no, um, I was a bit nervous going in there because of the spiders. <laughs> but she did. She's really brave Yay. and braved all the spiders. 
um, just for a minute. And then I felt bad and was like, no, we can leave. But he doesn't come into the house. He's just out there in the garage, maybe attached to that weird old man picture that's hanging in there and has been for a really long time because it's covered in spider webs, which is actually why I don't want to move it <laughs> because it's all spider web covered and I don't want to take it out. But besides that, yeah, the house is actually really quiet. And for me, it's really unusual because I'm used to a lot of spiritual activity, like a lot of seeing things out of the corner of my eye and having a few weird feelings, but nothing, nothing's ever been very bad. Um, nothing's ever been particularly bad ever. But here it's just really calm and, and quiet. So, yeah, so that's my, that's my like witchy news, my witchy update. Um, my house is really calm and kind of boring, <laughs> but in a good way. So, yeah, what about you? Do you have anything interesting to add or it's been happening? Other than being a bad, bad witch and doing a spell for someone and forgetting to put a heatproof plate underneath it, and that just makes you a bad person. <laughs> Sorry, it doesn't. <laughs> um, no, so I, yeah, have burnt my shower basin. But she's not a renter. She she has purchased her home, so her landlord is not going to crack the shits at her for burning her shower. So at least there's that. Uh, but no. you have to fix it. Yeah, and I have a husband <laughs> who was not impressed. Um, so, <laughs> so maybe the same as a landlord? No, not really. He didn't tell no. me off though. He just went, oh, you didn't. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Okay. I can imagine that. I can completely imagine that scene. It would have been hilarious. <laughs> Although he did. Oh, he shamed me. He shamed <gasps> me. He shamed me. In, publicly. Well, no, I probably shame him publicly. But no. <laughs> so we were going to the dog park and I was getting, I wanted to get some crossroads dirt for the Ooh. spell that I was doing. Crossroads. And oh, no, mine's just a T-junction. Never mind, never mind. <laughs> you can do it from animal tracks as well. So if they cross over, you can. Anyway. I do have a crossroads near me that does have dirt, which I can go and dig up. Yeah, really, really useful for spells if you're into that kind of thing. Yes. And, um, so like, I thought, oh, let's take the dogs out to the dog park, kill two birds with one stone. Hadn't told him that I was planning to do this. so we Just get- go- going down a dog park, yeah. getting some crossroads dirt. Yeah. What normal people do when yeah. they walk their dogs. So we finished. We finished at the dog park, off-lead dog park, and the dog's back in the car and Luke gets in the car. I said, be right back. I've grabbed this knife out of the corner of my my uh, door, which is probably not legal to have in my car. No. And it's like a 20-centimetre blade and I just run to the corner and I – do my little witchy bit, you know, all the, the things she digs up that you some ask. Dirt. <laughs> Cut out a bit of dirt and run back to the car. And I'm just like, I'm just like, imagine if like someone saw me do that. And Luke was just like, this is so weird. He someone said, did see you do that, but it was just Luke. He just like sent a message to one of our mutual witchy friends and was yeah. like, Liz just did this hashtag just witchy things. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I was like, no, why am I so embarrassing? He did shame you. But also running out of the car with a large cutting implement. Yep, I know that as well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but like, you know, maybe it is just witch things. And I thought, no, I do this for wildlife care in terms of often in my front yard cutting out bits of grass with a, a knife to get the roots for the animals. So, you know, yeah. I'm just, just wildlife care. You do go things. on like fiddle with roadkill if you think there might be a baby there oh, i pulled one off today which was sad but yeah check to pouch yeah no baby thank god thank god and as gross as gross as that sounds like i'm actually 
every time you've done it when I've been in the car, I'm like, man, I want more self-confidence to do that because it is the right thing to do. Yeah. Especially when there's a big carcass in the middle of the road. Like yeah. it's dangerous for drivers. Yeah. In a more serious, not giving, taking the piss out of you at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, like in an, on an actual serious note, like it's, it is a good thing to do. But um, I don't drive, so. Yeah. I mean, if mm. you're, what, what is it I say? If you're old enough to drive, you're old enough to deal with the things that you do when you're driving a car. Yeah. And that includes hitting an animal. If you hit an yeah. animal, it's your responsibility to stop if it's safe and go and check on the animal and see if it's still alive. Yeah. And if you don't know your local rescue numbers, put them in your phone now. Go Google them right now. Yes. Pause we'll, this episode. Yeah, we'll wait. Unless you're in the car, then maybe don't do that. Yeah. You can do it later. <laughs> then, then again, pull over to a safe spot in, <laughs> on the side of the road and Google your local rescue, their phone numbers. And save them. <laughs> and save them to your phone, yes. <sighs> okay. So I'm doing sea magic and sea witches. Um, basically, when I started researching this episode, I was not sure what I was going to do and I started, I think, three things and none of them were sort of working out in my brain. I was not overly motivated. And then I was driving along going to get some furniture, actually moving a bed for my mother, and I was just like, what am I going to do? Like I have to pick one of these topics or think of something that really gets me excited and do it. And I looked out of my brother's car window and saw the Derwent River, which to me is the ocean. It's not. It's a river. But um, the Derwent is tidal and it is salt most of the way? Is yeah. it all the way? No. No. So eventually there's a part where the fresh water and the salt water meets. Is it up near New Norfolk? It Do is. You know? yeah. That's okay. right. Yeah. Yes. Yes. See, I know things and I'm not the science major. <laughs> <laughs> I did learn that in my degree. <laughs> <laughs> ah. um, so, I, yeah, looked out, saw the Derwent. The part of the Derwent I am at is salt water and it is quite tidal. So for me it was the ocean and I was like, I'm just I'm going to do like sea magic or water magic. Okay, so when I looked up sea magic, I didn't actually get a lot of results, sea as in S-E-A, and like I looked up ocean magic and still there wasn't a great deal. Like people didn't have a lot of information about the sea as like on its own. There was lots of stuff about water magic and I did think I'd – in the end, I included some of that, like some basic correspondence and things like that because I thought, you know, if you didn't know anything about any of the elements, well, here we go. We'll do an intro. Um, some people differentiated. They said water magic, water witches, like that's a different thing. Most people didn't though. So if you're a water witch, in inverted commas, if you go for the t- a title like that and you work mostly with water elements and like things associated with different types of water a lot of people would just say oh you're a sea witch in my mind I see not that I've done a huge amount of research but in my mind I see a bit of a difference because there's a liminal element for me it's not just the water it's the space you're going to Mm -hmm. so I would see a sea witch as someone who goes to the beach and does ritual or a number of other things whereas if you're going to a lake it's a little bit different I mean there's the shore of the lake yes but it really has to do with where you're going mm-hmm. so um yeah I'm not as concerned about the difference or similarities and 
from the element, it's more the space. Okay. So for me, if I was saying I'm a sea witch, I'm going to a beach with a salt body of water. But it's more the liminal area of the actual beach that's important rather than the water. It's the water meeting the land. So like lakes, even the river, like where it meets the land is actually the important part. Okay. Um, And I found a lot of things that agreed. So it was more that you went to that liminal space where two elements kind of meet rather than you're going to the water to do water stuff. I hope that makes sense. And when I think about my own, like, associations with this, I I think more about moving water. Mm -hmm. So I'm more attracted to like the waves and a beach rather than, say, a lake or a pond. Um, yes, my interactions, what I think of as beach or sea is is a very large river. Yes, true. Um, but out where we are, we're quite close to the inlet of sort of close. So Hobart sits quite close to the sea anyway. So... You don't have to go very far to be to look out over open ocean from here. So, mm, yeah, draw distinctions of that, if you will. <laughs> um, and the other thing for me is I once went up to one of the lakes in the middle of Tasmania. I think it was Lake Pedder, so it was a man-made okay. lake. Yeah. And I didn't like it. The energy was horrible. Oh. It was really... It was not nice. It may have just been me. People love those lakes. They go up there all the time, lots of recreation. I don't know if people go up there to do magical ritual. Yeah. I assume some people would. A lot of people find them really relaxing and, you know, an almost spiritual place even though they don't use that term. But I didn't I didn't like the feel of it at that time that I went there. What about so where we go and look at the Fagus? Um, um, is that Lake Fenton? Yes. How did you feel about it there? I mean, we're there for the Fagus, so we probably weren't really focusing too much on the actual lake. I really but... connected to the land there okay. with not so much the water. Okay, sure. Um, I don't know. This also could be familial, like it could be passed down because my mother's quite scared of lakes. Okay. She doesn't like the still water. Okay. And she grew up ne- like on a beach. Yeah. So there could be that. It could yeah. be like a passed on... I also have a slight fear of the dentist, which I think is passed on. (laughs) Um, It's not something she really talked about, but it's a really deep fear. She Like she wouldn't come with us to go up when we went to the lakes that time. The one time I went up, she wouldn't come. Yeah, okay. And she was invited. We also went camping and she wasn't keen on that, but that's beside the point. Like the lake, she doesn't like the still water, which I get. I really like the moving water. Yeah. And another really interesting thing, water in general has a female connected to female, like it's seen as feminine mm-hmm. as an element. The moving water, especially oceans, I always see as masculine. Mm-hmm. Don't know why. Mm-hmm. That's just me. So I'm going to stick with calling it um, sea magic because that's what I'm drawn to, but I'm going to go through a sort of overall water, like the correspondences and things like that first and then I'll talk a bit more about actual, not actual, but sea magic more specifically. Okay, so water the element. 
I want to say the, another like intro thing I want to say is anyone can work with water. You don't have to call yourself a water witch. For those new to this, if you want to work with water, like most, I suppose, Wiccan-based witches or, you know, what Celtic kind of people who cast circle usually call in water at one of the elemental, like one of the compass points, like mm-hmm. in, a, in a more Wiccan-based tradition which a lot of traditions are based on, but not all, they call in the elements and water will be at one of the points. Mm-hmm. So my point is you don't have to go, well, I'm a water witch and I can only work with water in any way if I'm a water witch. That's not true. Um, okay, so water as an element is associated with emotion and fluidity Water teaches us to go with the flow and tap into our deep feelings. So it's got that connection to your inner realm, how you feel. Um, It's not so much about um, the mental, that's air. Water is more associated with your feelings and your intuition and your inner landscape, I suppose. And it teaches us about um, the flow of your emotions. Um. Water is in constant motion, even though still creepy lakes usually have a bit of a mo- motion movement to them, even though I still found them really creepy. Um, <laughs> is it because there are dead bodies in there? There were in, yeah, like Peta, dead trees. Yeah. I thought about that a lot. Yeah. That was a bad thing to think. We were, sli- like, our campsite was, like, really close to the water and I just kept thinking it was going to come up and flood me, take me in under. It was really weird. I didn't like it. <laughs> I was going to join those trees, I tell you. I was frightened of that water. Anyway, okay, so water is in constant motion, even the creepy lakes. But unlike air, which the air element has a there, – there's it's speed. There's something, like, the air as an element has an element of speed to its connections and correspondences. Um, water is more slow and steady. So mm-hmm. you think about how it erodes rock with mm-hmm. the constant motion, like it can erode the rock and make it into sand and things like that. It's slow, steady movement. It's more about the pace of nature, the pace of life, I guess, um, rather than airs like about speed and getting things done fast. And I just can't help but think of like the story of the tortoise and the hare. Yes. Yeah. It would be... <laughs> There would be the hair, air hair. <laughs> Tortoise waters. <laughs> it always works. Um, water is also associated with mystery the, and with mystery and sometimes even illusion. Um, and I thought here about how it's often quoted that human beings know more about space and mm. outer space outside of the earth than the deepest parts of the water that is on earth. I think is. Do they say that we know more about the moon and, like, we've mapped more of the moon than we have of some parts of, like, the deepest oh, parts of the I ocean? I completely believe that. Yeah. yeah. This whole space is unexplored. Yeah. Don't worry about space. Like, go into the water. <laughs> no, thanks. <laughs> mm, yeah, true. Um, I can't swim, by the way, either, so this is actually a really comical, tom- comical topic for me. But um, And so because of that, like, water also represents our inner mysteries, um, the parts of ourselves that we don't really know. Another interesting thing I read about water's representation is it it represents the way wisdom is passed on through generations. So it's like a family line, um, especially when it's passed through the mother. So it's the knowledge passing down from one generation to the next. 
Um, I hadn't read that association before and I thought it was really interesting. Uh, so when water's in balance, like in yourself, when you're in balance with the water part of yourself, um, it's calming, objective, artistic, flexible and offers clarity to you. But when it's out of balance, you can have deep fears and be indecisive. Um, you can make foolish and irrational decisions. Uh, Cancer, Scorpio and Pisces are ruled by water in astrology and so is the 4th, 8th and 12th house. And it's definitely the 8th house because I wrote 6th at first and that's not right. It's the 8th <laughs> house. <laughs> correspondences. So I've got heaps and heaps of correspondences. I probably won't read all of them because there's heaps and heaps of them. So I'll go, just go through them quickly. So these are all just water, not necessarily the sea. So animals, dolphins, sharks, all types of fish, otters and polar bears. I liked polar bears. I think that was good. <laughs> the colours are blue, silver, white and grey. Also, I also personally associate a real deep green, you know, the real deep greens with the ocean, but I think I'd have to have the other colours, some other colour with it, like yeah. a blue, because if I saw, say, a green candle, I'd go, oh, that's earth. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. Um, court cards associated with the queens, so of a normal playing card deck. Now, directions. This website said north was associated with water. Interesting. Which was interesting. Generally, I thought it was west. Personally, I would associate north with water, but that's not a real traditional Wiccan association In from what I know. Yeah. yeah. I would feel that that's correct. And people who have like a lot of water to the north of them, yeah, they could they could have that association. But I think West, more common association for water. So I don't know where this website got that. Mm. But, um, yeah, it's not necessarily wrong. No. No, it's an interesting concept because, mm. like, I guess if you like to put the elements where they feel they belong. Yes, then, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. But there was no, like, um, they didn't say on the website, any sort of it's north to me because of they just said north but full stop no question yeah okay. nothing else which cool. is fine that's yeah. that's yeah. that, that could that. be fine yeah. but just know that a lot of things i've read more wiccan based have said it's west but hard and fast rule it never is okay so the functions um caring floating obviously emotional sensitive changeable artistic romantic but also jealous in that romantic Yes. Um, subtle, affectionate, passive, loving, peaceful and healing. The organs of the body are kidney and bladders. Bladders, bladder, you only have one bladder. <laughs> Qualities. Um, cold, moist, heavy, deep, reflective, dissolving. Ripping, which I thought was interesting, but I think it has more to do with riptide. So uh, maybe pulling things apart that way. But I guess like like if there's a really heavy downpour, it can cause quite a bit of damage. Yeah, so yeah. yeah. Um, ripping abysmal, abysmal, which I thought might have to do with a more. I didn't. I meant to look up what abysmal means. I thought it meant like horrible sadness kind of thing. But yeah. they talk about the abyss. Well, that's where my brain went. Mm. I was thinking like really deep ocean. Like, yeah, but yeah. abysmal. So maybe something to do with like a great depth. I'm not sure. Yeah, I should have looked it up. Excuse me. <laughs> um, fluid resurgent. 
obscurity, solidity, and motion. Okay. I guess it freezes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But it also can turn into a gas. Yeah. And vapor. So, yeah. Mm. Sense is taste. Stones are aquamarine and beryl, but I also read moonstone and pearl elsewhere. Hmm. Well, it's interesting mm. that because, like, when you were reading about how it symbolizes illusion and mm. mystery, mystery, I instantly yep. thought of the moon card. Like, yeah. 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 Mm. Tarot card. The taste is salty. Duh. Sorry. <laughs> the tarot cards are hang, Hanged Man, the Moon, yeah. Death, and the Lovers. Oh. So I thought that was quite an interesting combination, like the Lovers, I guess, symbolising possibly the beginning of life mm-hmm. and then there's death as well. Mm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I kind of wonder about, sorry, mm. um, <laughs> like that kind of primordial soup that we all came from. You know, mm. like that's got to be so powerful in water as, and the ocean. Yeah, so. that was mentioned. It was yeah. also mentioned mythologically, which I think I've written down elsewhere, yeah. that you in some myths, I won't say, I'll say a few, like world-building mythologies of different belief systems, yeah. not all, of course, and I only read a couple. People come, came from the earth, but the gods came from the water ah, as well. Ah, intriguing. yeah. Not not all, obviously, yeah. but a lot of and a lot of the gods and goddesses associated with water are like the beings that created the earth. Yeah. So yeah. the mother god and the and or the father god of that belief system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, mythos. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. gods came from the water and people came from the earth, yes. basically, the which end. is very interesting. <laughs> um, even though now we know scientifically that people probably originally crawled out onto the crawled out of the primordial soup as you said and then slowly but surely life evolved and became people okay just a few more correspondences um the time of day is dusk the time of year is winter Mm. which i always think is very interesting because cancer in the northern hemisphere that happens in astrology like the astrology wheel of the year that happens in summer yeah but here it's winter. Yeah. So even though we turn a lot of things by 180 degrees, we don't. We haven't changed the sun signs. Yeah. Even though the more I read in astrology and about astrology, like the signs where they are in the northern hemisphere year. So the um, – I'm going off topic, sorry. The astrological start of the year happens in spring. Right. So that makes sense. So yeah. when Aries comes around, that's the beginning of the astrological year, which is in March. Yeah. So it's spring in the Northern Hemisphere. Yeah. And Cancer comes along and Cancer's the home and the mother and has all that kind of symbolism. Yeah. And it happens at the beginning of summer. So it's kind of like a nurturing kind of feeling and, and like new life. And that's, that's, that kind of works. It's not brand new life like in spring. But those signs are associated with certain things and the time of year is actually important. So our seasons are backwards. So our astrological year like a, in astrology starts in March and that's autumn. Yeah. And in some ways it doesn't make as much sense. Yeah, right. But the water association with cancer, like cancer happens at the beginning of winter and winter is the water time of the year. So that kind of makes sense. Yeah, I guess like I think about 
I don't know when I see when I think about Aries, I do think about, and it could just be the association with the season. But I see Aries as like reds and oranges. Like yes, because it is. Yeah, and it's starting energy. Like they're really full on. They just they're go getters. They it's a cardinal sign, so they start and they go, and they've got really powerful. I don't know. Fiery? Yeah, like starting energy. Like they my really. My mum's an Aries. <laughs> my brother's an Aries too, and he's very different from Liz's mum. But anyway, but they 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 have. They're really good at starting things. They're really good at getting things in motion. Like they're a little bit headstrong. They'll just go. Yeah, right. And yeah. when you think about it, it's beginning of spring. So that makes sense. I don't know. I kind of, I, I still see it as autumn. And again, it's probably just because I live here. And I like think of my mum and I think of those colours and I yeah. think of I can that being Aries. And like even though it seems dormant, it's like uh yeah. It's a rush yeah. to save yourself before going into winter, you know. And even with cancer, like I never, because I associated, because I'm a cancer mm. and it's my time of the year, so it's going into winter. So the mother and home and hibernation. Yeah. That makes sense to me too. Yeah, like that kind of high-gee yeah. feeling of yeah. comfort and warmth. And, yeah. yeah, at that time of year, like it's the beginning of winter here. Yeah. So some of them work in my mind, but it might be because – we live here, so we've made it work. <laughs> well, we don't. Well, other than when I lived in the northern hemisphere for a year, yeah, um, I don't have any other associations. Yeah. So, mm. yeah, water bearer. Hey, hanging out at the beach. It works for me. Yeah, Aquarius. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, like, um, it's interesting, and the timing is very interesting. Yeah. And and yeah. I hadn't thought about where the signs sat with comparison to the seasons before only a few months ago really. Okay, back to water, the water element. Um, herbs and plants, there's a huge list and I was going to read them all but now I'm not because it's like um, a third of a page. The list is massive and includes all kinds of things so I'm not going to read all of them. One interesting thing was bananas are associated with water, but bananas are feminine. Well, old school bananas had lots of seeds. So True. That might be why. Yeah, it might be modern cultivation that's changed. But the shape, it's so phallic. <laughs> so peeny. <laughs> yes. Let's make a penis joke. <laughs> That's all right. I nearly made a seafood joke. I was going to say because when you're spelling out C, and I was like, "Do you like seafood?" <laughs> and Did then you? I didn't have mouthful of food to be like, oh, so sad, sad. <laughs> Bananas feminine, okay, but not all seed bearing fruit are feminine associated. So yeah, anyway. yeah, yeah. So and also with water, which I thought was weird. But then I guess I don't see feminine as genitalia. I see it as energy. So then mm, mm, therefore it seems like it's a much more nurturing and it's such a, yeah, okay. That's true. Okay. I can see that from a nurturing point of view. Yeah. Just not a shape point of view. No, not from a shape point of view. It's, that's all right. That's fine. Yeah. Deities and creatures associated with the sea in particular. Um, undines, which they're water elementals. Mm-hmm. A few of the deities I came across were Poseidon, 
some might say, of course. Triton, now can I say his name right? Mananon McLear, who I want to look into. He's a Celtic, an Irish Celtic, I'm pretty sure, but he's um, a water god. Yemea Bowen, she's also an Irish goddess and she's related to the Bowen River, which Newgrange is on. Oh. I think the river's actually called something else now, but it's associated with her. Yeah. Danu, Dragon Kings of the Four Seas. I do not know whom they are, but now I want to find out. Yeah. Anuket, Sobek, Tefnut. I'm assuming they're all Egyptian gods or goddesses. Again, I don't know, and I, excuse me if I didn't if I said any incorrectly. Mamiwata, Tangaroa, Coventina, Neptune, and mm. Oshan. Some of those I have heard of before. Some of them I'd have to look up. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not a – there's many, many water gods and goddesses. That was just a few I came across. Yeah. Mm. Creatures include mermaids, again, obviously, water nymphs, nicks, which I – I'd heard of nixies, which are kind of like pixies but not nicks. N-Y-X? N-I. This, oh. this website has spelled it as N-I, but – Okay. Again, I'm going to look them up. Yeah. Kelpies, murrows, which are an Irish type of mermaid, mm-hmm. um, but they're mean. Selkies, look up selkies, they're cool. Finfolk, which is a Shetland or Orkney kind of merfolk. And Morgans, M-O-R-G-E-N-S. And they're, again, an Irish creature. I didn't find very much about them because this was just a really short list, but I'm going to look them up. They're also mean, I think. There's this really cool video on TikTok by ah, oh, she's got banana in her name, which she's, is she's feminine. She's, she's <laughs> but she's an Australian Indigenous person, oh, cool. and she talks about mermaids and in Indigenous culture. Oh, that would be cool. I like and to, about yeah. women's business Ooh. Um, and how they can be really scary. So um, I wish I could remember her name and I'm not on TikTok anymore to find it. So. Oh, no. Yeah, a lot of a lot of the myths I saw in real brief format from yeah. a few of the cultures, especially Irish and Celtic cultures, yeah. had like scary mermaid type yeah. creature myths, yeah. like a lot of them. Yeah. Lots of dragging people under the water this and is, killing them and that kind of thing, yeah. This was if you disrespected the women's business, so like a man. Uh, oh, yeah. White man, I decided he was going to ignore their advice and went and got yep. in the water and he got grabbed and dragged oh. under. So, yeah, yeah, much much the same, just yeah. not with the racial connotations, yeah. but just you know, pe- <laughs> people ignored the advice and just went to the water, or yeah, yeah. and yeah. then they were gone. Yeah, and both there were male ones that hunted women, yeah, and there were female ones that hunted men. Do they like? Are they good looking? And uh, some were, some were gorgeous. Some are were they luring you in. Like, am I going to care that I'm drowning? No, with some of them, no. But some of them were as ugly <laughs> okay. as, as I was going to say, as ugly as sin. But I don't know if that's appropriate. Some were really, really <laughs> ugly. I mean, this conversation's not appropriate. So. <laughs> True. <laughs> I'm sexualizing mermaids. <laughs> yeah. Well, doesn't that often happen? Um, yeah. Some of them were also really ugly and. Yeah, you wouldn't want to be taken by them. Yeah. So sea magic, sea witches, like is this a thing? What does that mean? So sea witches 
feel called to the water. So if you have an affinity for water in any form, so not just the sea, it can include all forms of water, including rain. So that for a lot of most people's websites that I came across and things would, they just said see which water, which same okay. thing, basically. Yeah. There were some differences and like I said, I view place as important. Yeah. But a lot of people don't. They're like, oh, you're a water witch, you're a sea witch. Yeah. Yeah. So sea witches or water witches, but sea witches embody a lot of watery kind of traits. So when they were talking about what a sea witch is as a person, they, yeah, I suppose you could say they included a lot of watery traits in in their personality. Sea witches reflect. So like water, they would reflect. So what you do to them, they would do to you. Sea witches can see how actions can have a ripple effect across water. So as you throw a stone into the water, there's a ripple and it goes out across the surface of the water. So a sea witch or water witch can see that or anticipate that as well so they can see how their one action would ripple out across in a good or bad way. So sea witches don't see many things as obstacles that can actually stop them because water flows and it can either flow through something or even around it or erode it eventually. They just see that they can flow through things. So yeah. if something comes up that other people might see as oh, a barrier that will actually stop them, they'll usually find a way around or through or they'll yeah. wait it out and then get through. And yeah, So they can see solutions to problems, I suppose. And another thing, sea witches are, are said to always be on the go. So they're always in motion because water is usually moving which I thought was an interesting one that I hadn't hadn't thought of before. So sea witches and I suppose sea magic is often associated with seafarers and beachcombing. So when you're talking about this is a separate website and it talked more about actual sea magic and sea witches separate from water mm-hmm. as in a more specialised kind of version yeah, of sure. the magic. Yeah. And so this person associated them with sea, seafarers and beachcombers. So the real ocean and beach. It's a natural choice for those who are drawn towards water, but not necessarily if you're drawn towards the beach just on its own. Now the other interesting thing, and I read this on a few websites as well, when you talk about sea magic, it usually involves, or being a sea witch, it involves, yes, working with that the element of water and seawater and going to that liminal place the, of the beach or mm-hmm. the shore. But they also really work with moon law, tides and weather magic. So all of those are really closely associated. And, again, I hadn't thought of that before. But, of course, the moon and the tides, that makes sense. So you would work a lot with the moon and the moon phases as a sea or water witch. Yeah. More than you would necessarily if you worked with another element. Yeah. Which I thought was cool because I'm really drawn to those things as well and just didn't put two and two together yeah. <laughs> before now. And I just it's making me think about Hobart specifically, um, with the mountain where it is and mm-hmm. the and the ocean, we get like even though we're the second driest capital city in Australia, yeah. we get that um we get precipitation from that from yep. from the placement of those two things. So yep. like I'd imagine that would be really important for And Hobart's in a crescent shape, like a moon around yeah. the river. Yeah. Yeah. It's not totally crescent shaped, it's more like it's longer. Yeah. But we do sort of go with around both shores of 
Yeah. Like this inlet of, of the river. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So hmm. I hadn't thought of that till just then. <laughs> so sea magic is a type of folk magic. So uh-huh. it's not highly ceremonial. There's no like set rules. Yeah. You don't have to go out and buy all the expensive tools, which is our favourite kind of magic. Um, <laughs> what, buying tools? Not buying tools. Not having to buy tools. Because <laughs> we're... Some would say frugal and some would say tight asses. I pay a lot of rent now. So it invo- mostly involves using found objects. So you'll yeah. beachcombing is a really big thing. Yeah. I have some sea, particularly sea magic sort of associations. Now, they come with a few caveats. Beachcombing is a really big thing for this, you know, it's beachcombing. You go to the beach, which is the area that you'll probably be working in, and you'll try and find objects, like you'll look through and and, and I love beachcombing personally. However, if you're going to do it, please check what you're allowed to do because I have read that you're not supposed to take sand from any beach in Tasmania. Nope, you're not. And uh, most Mm. things like, you know, rocks and shells and stuff, they have important habitat Mm. implications. So... If you are going to take some, Just don't take heaps. And even then, like taking one or two can be problematic if everyone's taking one or two. Don't let me. Okay, I'm going to get off this high horse because I'll be here forever. All I'm going to say is please check, one, what you're collecting and if you're allowed to collect it. Yeah. Because some, I know there are certain shells in Tasmania that have significance to Aboriginal people. You are not allowed to collect them. And there are also some shells that you are not allowed to collect at all. Yeah. And it's illegal to have them. So please check where you are, what you're allowed to do and what you're allowed to take, Yeah, if you're allowed to take anything. And if there's any kind of nature reserve or park, national park, don't go there and take shit, (laughs) anything, even shit, because it's not good. The area is there for a reason. It's protected for a reason. Please check your guidelines really carefully. Mm Mm-hmm. And think about what you want to do because if you're going into this reserve or, no, not reserve, not going into the reserve, if you're going <laughs> to the reserve, if you're going to this place that you are allowed to take things from, think about the implications for the animals and creatures that live there. I do really love beachcombing and I love the energy that comes with something that you've actually found Yeah, because I really feel like you, it has that energy when you take it, but you're taking it. So beachcombing is, I love beachcombing. I love going and fossicking on the beach. Mm-hmm. It is one of my favourite things to do. But, yeah, mm-hmm. think about even going and disturbing like the environment Yep, and the creatures there. Yep. And what you're allowed and not allowed to take. Yeah. And respect those rules. Yes, for a please reason. respect those <laughs> rules. This might not be as big a concern in other countries. For here, Tasmania particularly, Australia possibly, it's a big concern. Like mm-hmm. we, We're not even allowed to have fires on beaches, so. No. And a lot of those things are talked about in this. Are they? Yeah, having Sorry, bonfires on the beach. I didn't write it down, so it's uh, fine. A lot of the websites I went to were American, yeah. like from the US. So yeah. it's different there. It's different there. Yeah. And that's fine. Yeah. Follow the rules where you live, please. Yeah. And if you're allowed to take stuff, please check it for little animals because, yes, there are animals in those shells that are on the beach. And be really careful if you're climbing around sand dunes because there's birds that nest in there and they're and really you could, hard to see. you could fall. 
And you can fall. <laughs> so be really mindful, you know, take care of yourself. Don't go and do something stupid because you heard it on our podcast. Because yeah. we're not experts, remember? Uh, we, we, yeah. Yeah. Disclaimer. And the other thing with this is a lot of the items on the list, like you don't have to use them. I'm thinking I will probably go and take photos and have them printed and that will be my representation of the shell or the animal or whatever. There's also a lot of, there was talk of using like the animal parts so you can find bones on the beach and things like that. Some people don't want to use those and that's not part of their practice and that's fine, don't use them. And also just be careful with taking bones because mm. like the again the laws if yeah, they're the, native yeah. animals, you need permits, particularly where we live. Yes. So, um, and you can get them. You can absolutely yeah, apply yeah, yeah. and get them. You can. Them. You can. And sometimes it's just a form. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a form here. So, yeah, literally um, a tick box form, your name and address. Yeah. yeah. Check the just rules. Be, just be aware. Check the rules. We don't want you getting into trouble. No. Especially here because it's a very small community. Yeah. But we have pretty stringent rules about this yeah. kind of thing. A lot of the other things I was reading involved using fishing implements and I wasn't particularly comfortable with using those like they talked about using hooks and nets and stuff from fishing like found ones oh yeah go out and buy it yeah but if you found like ruined ones or or you do go and buy one or or you know yeah but it's part of that sort of like boating and seafaring aspect of (laughs) tradition leaning of sea magic, you know, it's it's a real big part of it. Of course, I guess like so many people were seafarers, like yeah, it, I know my some of my people were. Yeah, and so I get that. Yeah, but I wouldn't feel comfortable having fishing hooks on my altar because to me they're a death symbol. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah. it's about um, casting out and catching a gull. Yeah, say for a fishing hook. Yeah, not necessarily used one, obviously, yeah. or. There's traditions of putting fishing nets like over the top of your front door because it catches bad things before they come into your house. Ooh, I like that. I do too. Would I buy a fishing net? No. Yeah, exactly. Because I could do other things. But But when I thought about like an old fishing net sort of strung up over the top of the door and that aesthetic, I liked it because I like beach aesthetic, like the beach look because I'm drawn to it, hence doing this subject. But would I feel comfortable having something that's killed something or part of a dead thing on my altar? No. Yeah. I that's guess, different. I guess that comes down to how you personally feel about it, isn't it? Like yeah. Some people would see it as a symbol of feeding. Yeah, and totally. nurturing in that way. Yeah, and like hope going out yeah. and getting the food to, you know, and bringing it back. Like that's a hopeful as well as nurturing kind of, yeah, as like, said. Yeah, by Symbolism. nurturing I mean like food nurturing, but yeah. Yes, 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 yeah. yes, 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 yeah. Yeah. And providing for your family, like yeah. that yeah. kind of masculine energy, the provider. Yes. So if you feel that way, great, go for it. If you don't, don't feel you can't be a sea witch because you're not into the fishing symbolism. Or if it carries yeah. <laughs> too much of a Christian kind of connotation and that sits badly for you, that's also fine. Yeah. Like okay. you don't have to it's take pick and choose if you some loaves and some fishes. Yeah, if that's triggering in some way for you, then just leave it out. Yeah. Finally on to this list. I'm almost okay. done. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the tools. And these are just a long list of the more 
sea witchy tools. There was other things like um, candles and um, incense and things like that that are more all witches use. Some witches, many witches. So there were animal remains, which you may or may not want, beach stones, a bell, which I liked. Okay. And I thought of the bells on the old ships. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Before I was like, really? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Because I I did the same thing. Yeah. So bell, comb and mirror, which are traditionally seen as mermaid symbols, which I liked. Drift seeds and drift wood. There were fish hooks, which I wasn't so pleased with, but. Yeah. Yep. Glass fish floats, which I would love. Glass? So, you know, the polystyrene plasticky fish floats they have now, they used to use glass ones. Oh. Again, yeah, I did that too. I didn't know. Yeah, they used to use glass ones, of course. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. A fishing net, of course. A diver's knife for instead of like a more traditional athame. Oh, cool. Yeah. Or the bowline, like a working. Yeah. It was talked about as a working knife. Uh, Mermaid's purses, which are the egg casings from some rays and sharks. They've got a real particular shape. Please don't take them if you're not allowed. As with everything, moonstones, pearls, beach sand, sea salt. I wrote sea glass with the wrong kind of sea. (laughs) Um, Sea glass, S-E-A, which I love sea glass, but yeah. Me too. Seaweed, seawater, if you're allowed to collect seawater. I don't. No, I'm just going to say if you're allowed, um, it does get really stinky supposedly, so freeze it if you want to work with it. So if you're allowed to take any seawater or salt water because it can have little microscopic animals in it so it gets stinky if it's left to stand, so freeze it. Wind chimes and, of course, shells. I like the wind chimes as well. So with the shells, I'm not going to go into them because there's there are quite a few good resources. I'll put at least one in the notes, mm-hmm. the show notes, and they have all correspondences. Now, be careful with what you use because there are some cultures that traditionally have correspondences that go with their seashells. So we can be bordering on appropriation which I didn't know and I don't know why I didn't think of it, but, yes, so be careful with what you're using and the associations you use and be careful where you get your information. I found a couple. I'll put one in the show notes. It'll be in some of the information. But, yeah, just be mindful if you're getting that because I think a few of these, the culture still use it. Yeah. Like it's still a used information. I think there might be... European associations as well, Celtic ones, but I'd have to find them. I didn't find them through my not very extensive Google search. I've only got a couple of other notes. I saw that the sea witch altar is often called a sea shrine, which for some reason I really like. Yeah, it's cute. (laughs) A sea shrine. And lastly, I didn't put down a huge amount of notes about this because I want to go into it more like as a whole topic, but conservation and marine conservation was a huge part of being a sea witch. This was another detail that really drew me to this topic as well. With a lot of the websites that were just about being a sea witch, there was a lot of information about general conservation, general green living, recycling, minimising your waste and what you use and all that kind of thing. And, of course, about marine conservation. So I'm gonna, I want to save that for another topic. I want to do a whole thing on that. Yeah. It's going to take me ages and it might be a few topics 
But I really liked that that was the focus of this and it really made me think that I'd like to to pursue this more. And I do find that I'm drawn to a lot of water symbolism anyway, so a lot of my, which are all packed away at the moment, but a lot of my altar implements are and things I want to have on my altar are more sea-themed, I suppose. So it really, yeah, this really drew me in and I really liked the idea of it. Mm-hmm. And the conservation side was really cool. One thing I will say, if if you live in an area like Tasmania where you can't really go and take anything from the beach, um, go and clean it up. Because even if you can't take shells or anything like that, also be careful where you buy your shells because commercial harvesting of shells is often not great as commercial anything is often not the best way to do things. Um, There's a lot of destruction involved Mm. when they're going to harvest shells, especially if they're wild harvest. Yeah. One of the websites I was looking at talked about vintage. Yeah. So if you can go to, I don't know, garage sales, yard sales for other parts of the world, um, secondhand stores, things like that, even antique antique stores, they're saying that the damage is already done and maybe done a long time ago. So yeah. you might as well, if you're going to, better to get something secondhand instead of something new because it does still minimise. It's a way to minimise the damage. But if you're going to use that reasoning, oh, it's already done, well, you just buy something new. But I I would still say go for secondhand over like a commercial produced shell depending on where you get it. It's the same as your crystals, like make sure it's from somewhere reputable or possibly go secondhand. Yeah. I'll wrap up there. So that's sea witchery, mm-hmm. sea witches and sea magic. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, it was interesting. I was quite taken by it mm-hmm. and I'm going to look into a couple of aspects of it. We need to go to Cloudy Bay. Yeah? Yeah, I think you're going to love it. I went there back in September and it's at the bottom of Bruneo Island. I've been there. You've been there? Once in winter. Yeah. So I'd like to really go again when it's not so stormy. Well, that's that was kind of the magic of it. Yeah, was that all that all those rocks with all the crushed and smashed shells and the yeah. bits of wood, driftwood that were up on the hills from where they've been obviously shoved up the top, like from massive waves. So Bruni Island is off the southern southeast of Tasmania, and this is the southern part of Bruni Island. So there's only ocean. So it faces out into the Southern Ocean. <laughs> like I know. <laughs> I don't think it's specific. Like it's actually think it's like Antarctica. It's a very big, powerful, there's nothing out there ocean. And it's just, it's wild and rugged and stunning and. And there's a little Airbnb overlooking it. <laughs> is there? Yes, there is. It's really expensive to stay there. I was watching the. Um... I was watching the surfers. Ah, yeah. When I was there, it was too rough. There were no surfers. I just went and sat on the beach and just watched it and it just, the energy was just amazing. It was so rugged. Mm. Yeah. It's that real wild, wild, wild place. Yeah. I'd love to go back. Well. Thank you for listening to our episode on sea witchcraft. If you liked it, please write a review on Apple iTunes or any other place that you listen to your podcast. 
If you would like to contact us, you can find us on Instagram at witchy.bytes, on Facebook at witchy.bytespodcast. You can email us at witchy.bytes at outlook.com or if you like the old-fashioned method, at GPO Box 93, Hobart, Tasmania, 7001, Australia. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you at the next one. Bye! That magic everywhere is not light or dark. Magic's like en- magic is just energy and the movement of energy, essentially, and energy isn't good or bad. It's neither black nor white. No. Oh, my God, black or white. I'm going to start saying, um, I'm going to start quoting the craft. (laughs) Uh, It's no, it's both because nature is both cruel and loving all at the same time. I was going to sing the Michael Jackson song. That was really (laughs) We went different places. Don't matter if you're black or white. (laughs) Okay. Um, Moving on.